Hey guys, we're trying something a little different on the Heat Check podcast this week with no basketball to be played. We're going to talk about one of the best games in NBA history, Heat Spurs Game 6 of the 2013 NBA Finals. We hope this keeps you entertained while you're cooped up at home, and uh, we hope to get back to talking about uh, real live basketball soon. Uh, enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami, Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Bolton, and I'm joined for a, a very special episode of the Heat Check Podcast by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. What's going on, Anthony? Nothing much. Trying to stay busy um, without basketball, which is kind of hard to do with our with considering our jobs, but um, we're figuring <laughs> it out day by day like everybody else. Yeah. Uh, so this is an idea we, we – I think we actually talked about it over the summer when we had no basketball. We figured this is the perfect time. Um, today's episode, we are going to talk about – the Ray Allen game, the LeBron no headman game, could have a lot of nicknames. It is probably best known as Game 6 of the 2013 NBA Finals. Heat 103, Spurs 100 in overtime. Uh, a lot of people call it the best game in finals history, and I'd say probably between that or maybe the uh, the uh, Warriors-Cavs uh, Game 7. It is certainly... Up there, it is near the top of everyone's list. Uh, I think ESPN had it as number one on a list a few years ago. Um, a must-win situation for the Heat. They were down 3-2. Uh, it was in the 2-3-2 format that year. Game one, they lose. Heat loses. 92-88 different era low-scoring games. Yeah. Um, Tony Parker hits a bank shot with about five seconds left. Game two, Heat come back, blow out the Spurs, 103-84. Game three, Spurs blow out the Heat 113-77. Game four, Heat 109, Spurs 93. Game five, Spurs 114, Heat 104. And then game six, Heat down double figures in the second half. Uh, it looked like you know LeBron had obviously kind of got the monkey off his back a year earlier winning the finals, and they blew out the – Thunder in five, um, but it looks like maybe the narratives are all going to come back for LeBron, a, a classic LeBron choke job. Uh, not particularly great in the first three quarters of this game, then he's incredible in the fourth quarter. Misses a couple big shots in the last couple of minutes, though, although he hits one huge three, and then Ray Allen makes maybe the biggest shot in NBA history, the uh, corner three with five seconds left. To tie the game, force overtime. Heat wins in overtime and wins the series a couple days later. Um, what was just kind of the biggest thing you thought rewatching this game? Uh, the fact that Dwayne Wade really didn't play in that fourth quarter. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't. I don't. I didn't remember that. Uh, I guess they started with a lineup of Chalmers, LeBron. They started the fourth quarter with a lineup of Chalmers, LeBron, Mike Miller, Ray Allen, and Birdman, and they kind of rode that lineup for I think like six minutes straight, and then they put Bosch in for Birdman, um, and it worked. Like, I think they were down 10 entering the fourth, and then, like, five or six minutes into the fourth quarter, the Heat were up two. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they basically, I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but they put shooters around around LeBron, 
um, just because the Spurs are packing the paint so much and daring LeBron and Dwayne to shoot mid-range jumpers and threes, and they obviously look very uncomfortable, you know, having to do that. Um, so the, the Spurs defense really bothered the Heat. Um, but in the fourth quarter, they put that lineup in there. Dwayne basically played, I think, the only like the final three minutes of the quarter, um, and they really did a lot of like getting back into the game and catching up without Dwayne. Uh, when looking back at it, it's kind of surprising, really. Yeah, that was to me the biggest thing was that you know it was it, I think most people remember it as the Ray Allen game, but just the level, the number of like kind of layers to it. Um, yeah, and it's the LeBron headband game. Also, that was like kind of what that's the most fun stretch of the game to rewatch is when his headband gets knocked off with um, what is it about nine minutes left, I think, and then the start of a new era. The start of a yeah. new era for LeBron, really. It was, and he just goes on a tear. Uh, we'll run through that, I guess, uh, in a little bit. But let's talk specifically about the Ray Allen shot. Um, and, I don't know, do you remember where you were when you watched this shot? Or like, what kind of, I guess you were probably a Heat fan at the time, right? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to deny that either. Are you <laughs> from Miami? You, you, of course yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is here, I guess, right? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll blame it on that. Um, uh, I I yeah, I was living at home with my parents still at the time. How old was I? This is 2013. I was 20. I had just turned 24. Um, I was working actually in an advertising job at the time uh, in Miami. My parents were out of town, and I was watching the game. I think eating at Publix chicken tender sub. Of course. Um, the most watch- Miami thing you could possibly do. Right, of course. And I was watching it there. Um, little did I know, obviously it was a big game, but I didn't know how memorable and special that game was. But I was, yeah, I was watching it alone in my parents' house because my parents were uh, out of town. Yeah. Where were you? Yeah. I was still in college. I was living that summer in New York, but for some reason I was home in Washington, D.C. I remember watching it in my parents' living room with, like, some friends. Um, weirdly, like, I don't remember what my reaction was to the Ray Allen shot. Like, I re- really remember the LeBron headband thing. Like, I remember the headband coming off and everyone in the room, like, freaking out that he, like, had turned into Superman when he got rid of the headband. It was, like, such a weird little quirk to that game. He looked different, right? He looked like a different person. Without the yeah, and it was, like, hard to tell exactly when it happened. I think it happened on the – it's the Chalmers misses, like, a crazy fadeaway air ball and – LeBron, I guess the headband gets, like, knocked off by Tim Duncan when he goes up for the putback. Um, but I remember that kind of being the takeaway. That and the Mike Miller shoe. Yeah. With one shoe, which I also did not realize was in this game. And, and to me, that's kind of, like, the thing that stands out most is just that this game is so much more than just the Ray Allen shot, which it's easy to forget. Like, I think a lot of people probably remember that it's the LeBron crazy fourth quarter and the Ray Allen shot, but, like, there was a lot to it. Mario Chalmers is great. Yeah. And it. there's a lot of Birdman action. Like, it was just an incredibly layered game that is, you know, it's the greatest not, you know, a lot of games I think when people are like, this is the greatest game of all time, they think of it just because they remember the one play. Um, you know, that comes down to a buzzer beater. Like, those are always, like, the last second wins are always, like, higher valued in the greatest games of all time list. But this had that, and it was just an incredible game, particularly the fourth quarter. Yeah, and just, the, just like, the different, like, game planning between the both teams. Like, you could see the adjustments being made by Spolstra and Popovich throughout the game, just the way the Spurs were playing, um, the heat, packing the paint, like I said, and, it, you know, really bothered them and disrupted their offense. 
Um, and then the Heat adjust by putting shooters on LeBron and basically sitting Dwayne for a lot of, a lot of the a lot of minutes down the stretch. Um, yeah, and Jeff Gundy so, on the broadcast is like, this is the such a tough decision. Like, do you bring yeah. him back in? You have to bring him back in because he's Dwayne Wade. He's your second, he's second best, best player, player, right? But but it was working so well without him. Yeah, and then Dwayne did end up playing. I think the entire overtime. Um, I don't really know if he scored. I think he had a, a really like nice assist to LeBron, if I remember correctly. I don't think he really scored. So yeah, he has I, a good assist. He drives baseline and like dump or LeBron kicks it out to him on the in the corner right. where he drops baseline and he and dumps it off and LeBron gets so, like a little hook shot. Yeah. So yeah, I mean he yeah Dwayne was really ineffective and, and I mean you know I guess he might have opened up space for shooters. You can say that about Dwayne because they were packing the paint to, to kind of stop Dwayne. Um, so it worked to help the Heat shooters. But other than that, I mean it was LeBron. It was the Ray Allen shot, and it was Mario Chalmers and Chris Bosh. Mario Bosch Chalmers, the end. Yeah. yeah. That's like the first note. I, I have just like a page of notes of like I just wrote down a bunch of things I thought about while I was watching the game. Well, the, actually, the first thing I had written is just they go right – well, we'll start out at the top, and we'll kind of get to the fourth quarter. Um, I have right at the top, the first two shots of the game are a mid-range jumper by Chris Bosh and then a mid-range, like I think a bank shot by Tim Duncan. I made, like, I made a note of that. Like that's – when do you see that these days, right? I know. It's totally different. It's crazy. Like, And I was thinking about this because when they did like the best of the decade lists at the NBA and ESPN and everyone was doing last year, the Heat team like kind of felt really overlooked. And it's crazy. It's because the league totally changed, basically. Um, the Heat – you kind of can see – the foundation of the Warriors in this game and, and in the next in the 2014 finals too, where you know the Heat show the value of putting a bunch of shooters on the floor and the Spurs show the value of ball movement and the Warriors obviously kind of combined all that. Um, but yeah, right off the top, the first two mid-range jumpers stood out to me right away. I forgot Mike Miller started on this team over Ray Allen, or at least was starting at this point. Yeah, and then Mario Chalmers goes off in the first quarter, and I'll say I was. Uh, you know, I was a typical NBA fan who was not the biggest fan of the Heat and the idea of them all coming together to make this super team. Plus, I love these first teams. Um, but I love Mario Chalmers. And he was, I mean, he was huge because, like like we were talking about, the offense was really bogged down, and he was hitting threes. I think he hit what? He was like... I hit two in the first quarter, maybe finished with... I have the box score up. Yeah, I think about the four, maybe? I think he finishes with four. Yeah, he goes four, four for five, five for three, seven to 11 from the field. They need, I mean, they really need, I mean, and, and Ray Allen before, Ray Allen, the only three-pointer he made in the game was that yeah. big at the end. Like, he was 0 for 2 uh, before that. So, I mean, yeah, they, they Mario was huge. I mean, he gets overlooked, obviously, because so much stuff happened on the stretch. But he kind of kept them in the game in that first half when LeBron and Dwayne were struggling and, you know, they were really getting nothing from the bench. Um, yeah, I mean, I, Mario, and I'm sure he'll tell you this, he deserves more credit um, yeah. than, than he gets for that game because he was, you know, he gets overlooked, but he was really important for them. Yeah, yeah, and a thing I, I that struck me rewatching the game is, like, everyone on the court is, like, a dude. Like, everyone has yeah. some sort of legacy. Like, I, and this might be the case for most final teams, like, when we look back at it, but, like, even those Warriors teams, like, is Kavon Looney going to have, like, a legacy? Like, are we going to remember him as anything more than just, no. the, like, that guy on the court? Like, the Heat, the guys that the Heat plays in this game are LeBron, Wade, Bosh, 
Mario Chalmers, who I think has a legacy, especially because the college stuff. Mike Miller. Ray Allen, a Hall of Famer. Birdman, who, like, is just, like, such a personality. And Shane Battier. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a crazy eight guys. And that was, I think, something that got kind of lost with um, later LeBron teams in Cleveland and um, now even in L.A. is the role players on this team were so good. Yeah, Udonis didn't even play. Udonis didn't play. Rashard Lewis. Rashard Lewis didn't play. The role players on this team were so good. And I think even, you know, any team when they kind of get to the end, um, those the depth kind of falls off. Like, you, you really saw with the Warriors last year. But the Heat, like, this was capital. I, I think I wrote in our, the email with you of the uh, outline, all caps, Heat culture. Like, this was yeah. a lot of guys. You know, obviously a lot of these guys were – proven stars who, who came to the team, um, you know, like Ray Allen, Mike Miller, but also, you know, Mario Chalmers playing big minutes, you know, getting the best out of Birdman, who was obviously, you know, out of basketball not long before this. Um, it was it was kind of the, you know, this is why the heat culture thing is real, because they've, they've been able to find guys like this for, for decades. Yeah, and I mean, in that Spurs team, like, I was watching, I'm like, man, I know we do this with Oklahoma City Thunder, too, which the Heat beat the year before, but that Spurs team was really good. I mean, I, I knew it, I knew it was good at the time, but looking back on it, like, we didn't know Kawhi was going to be. Right. I mean, you that know, was Kawhi is the thing that ages best from this game. Like, he is incredible. Yeah. He's, like, that was, like, his coming out party. He was so – I mean, he was guarding LeBron and Dwayne uh, pretty much the entire game. Tony Parker was still very good. Um, they had Danny Green, which at that time we knew Danny Green was good, but I don't know if we, we even knew at that point how good Danny Green was, just both ends of the court. You know, Manu was on, you know, toward the end of his career, obviously. Um, Tim Duncan, who, again, was older, but he played – he was their best player in that game. He had 30 points, 17 rebounds. That was a really good Spurs team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you look at the two teams that he beat that in that in during that era in the finals, OKC with Durant, Ibaka, Harden and Westbrook, and then this Spurs team, uh, they beat two. You, you can't say they didn't beat like they they faced weak opponents. Like they beat yeah. two teams that really aged really well. Yeah, there were um, stretches of this game. I'm sure. I think probably in the fourth quarter where there were eight Hall of Famers on the court, and all of them were like not exactly prime, but like pretty much close to their prime. Like obviously Duncan Parker, Ginobili. Yeah. Uh, LeBron, Wade, Bosch, and then, you know, Ray Allen, this is, he's obviously past his prime, but he was great, you know, just um, had been a part of those, you know, been a centerpiece of those Celtics teams, and Kawhi, who's obviously before his prime, but he wins finals MVP the next year, so, like, he is right there on the rise. Um, It's funny, though, they just, like, kind of stick him in the corner a lot on offense, and he still finishes with 22 points um, and three steals, like, he's a monster in this game, but... It's kind of funny to watch it. Yeah, the way, yeah, the way they were using him compared to like you're like why aren't the, why isn't he on the ball up top of the offense? Why is Boris Dial doing that? Right. Uh-huh. Another thing I forgot from the first half is uh, Tim Duncan is incredible. Yeah, he was really good. He has 25 points in the first half, 30 points in the first three quarters, and then doesn't score in the fourth quarter or overtime. Yeah, and he missed a lot of easy shots down the stretch too. Um, yeah, everyone remembers the one. It's tougher than I think people remember it, but um, it's still yeah. You got to if you're a Hall of Famer, best power forward ever in the finals, like you got to hit that. But I mean, what, yeah, he what did he, he do to shut him down? Just from your rewatch, what did you kind of say? 
I was trying to find if like anyone wrote the story, just like how they shut down Tim Duncan in the fourth quarter. I couldn't find it, but of course this was seven years ago, so it was hard to find. Um, it's hard to see. It was hard to really pinpoint the adjustment they made, but I just, I mean, they would put the Heat put put LeBron on Tony Parker a lot on the stretch. Yeah. Obviously, he guarded him most of the second half and shut him down. And the Spurs seemed to be running a lot of Tony Parker, Tim Duncan pick and rolls, um, and he ended up starting to switch them. So. When you have Bosch and LeBron guarding the pick and roll, that blows up a lot. So I think a lot, a lot of it had to do with that. Just the, the the adjustment of putting LeBron was guarding Tony Parker a little bit early on, um, but in the second half they put him on him. I think basically the entire time, and those pick and rolls just didn't work anymore. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Plus, like we said, Tim Duncan missed a few easy ones that he he was making those shots in the first half. Um, but I think that LeBron, LeBron and Chris Bosch, I mean that deep. That heat, I used to say at the time, I remember, it was like a big storyline. That Heat defense, when it was, like, desperate late in the game, it was so fun to watch just because they they would fly around like no other team. Like, between Dwayne, LeBron, Chris Bosh, Shane Battier, Birdman, like, Chal- even Chalmers, they had so many guys who could switch and just they were so fast and athletic. Like, it was really fun to watch them kind of turn it up a notch on defense. And you saw that in the fourth quarter. Like, they were everywhere guarding that Spurs yeah. team. Yeah, that actually transitions nicely. And we will talk more about Bosch as we get to the end of the game because he not just has the big rebound that everyone remembers, but he's incredible defensively in overtime. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. So anything else from, like, the first couple of quarters, or do you just want to dive into the, the fourth? Do you have anything written down? A lot um, of your deal in this game. He was a, a heat killer. Yeah, I mean, and also Boris Dio. Like, in the first half, he played well. I think he had, what, I don't know how many points he had, but he, he, he made a couple of nice passes. Um, he was guarding LeBron well. It almost looked like flashbacks of he, of LeBron against J.J. Barea and Deshaun Stevenson in that Maverick series in 2010. Like, mm-hmm. Dio was guarding LeBron well. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, he, Boris kind of went quiet in the second in the second half, but in that first half, Boris Dio was a pretty big part of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was a... I mean, I guess it really wasn't relevant in the end, but it was a, a note I made in that second quarter. Boris Diaw equals heat killer in that first yeah. half. Yeah. Um, I will say I did also kind of forget, like, how close this was to being a LeBron choke job. Like, yeah, every, oh yeah, very close. None of the big three were playing particularly well, but I have a stretch written down where the Heat were down nine with five minutes left in the third. Uh, or They were down six. Then LeBron turns it over. Kawhi gets an and one. And then LeBron misses a three and Duncan gets an and one. Like, right basically when they had a chance to, like, make this a close game going into the uh, fourth quarter, he makes, you know, misses a, you know, makes a couple mistakes and it puts the Heat down 10 at the end of the third quarter. Um, I think the largest deficit was 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, and the biggest one thing that stood out to me, they, you know, they showed the interview with Eric Spolstra. Um, before the fourth quarter, he says, we need our best defensive quarter in the playoffs to take us home, and then they just shut down the Spurs yeah. for most of the fourth quarter. I made a note of that, by the way. It's classic slow, everything about defense. I mean, they, I their know. offense was not playing well at the time, um, and, of course, the whole message is we need our best defensive quarter in the playoffs. Like, just slow never changes. He's the yeah. same guy. No matter what team he has, whether he has LeBron or – Dion Waiters, like, it's all about that. Like, you just see it. Like, it's it was funny to watch. Even, like, in the mic'd up sessions where he's talking to the team. It's all defense. Every all time defense. he comes in, it's all defense. All about defense. So, that's 
that's classic Spo. But I was gonna say even in that even in that late in the fourth quarter, um, when the Heat had kind of come back, but then the Spurs took the lead again. I think they were up two with like 58 seconds left. LeBron had two straight turnovers. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. That's because he had had the crazy fourth quarter, and then he was about to choke again. Yeah. Um, but he does get a huge three during that stretch. He did. He made up for it. But, I mean, if he doesn't hit that three, I think they're down four with, like, 37. Yeah, he doesn't make that three. It's over. Turnovers. Like, that's, yeah, that, that would have been a, that would have been another, that would have been a storyline. Like, LeBron choked and then basically gave the game away to the Spurs. Yeah. Um, it's definitely one of those games where, like, rewatching it, you're like, how did the Heat win this game? Yeah. Oh, with, like, sure. 30 seconds left. Even in overtime, like, the Heat were down three, like, with yeah. halfway through. Like, they were never really, like, in total control. All right, so fourth quarter opens with the Chalmers three. Then LeBron makes a layup. Tiago splitter answers. And then with 10.26 left, Mike Miller hits the, the three-pointer with one shoe on. Uh, just an iconic moment. Him running over to the sideline to throw the shoe to the bench. There should be a stretch. Spotting up on the right wing hitting the three with one shoe on. Um, and that is, like, kind of where the run starts. They, yeah. You know, the, the Chalmers three cuts it to eight. Or, sorry, cuts it to seven. And then the Mike Miller three cuts it to four. And then um, the next splitter answers with a hook shot. A lot of Tiago splitter in this game, too. Another guy that, like, I don't think has very much of a legacy beyond being, like, the, that guy on the, the big guy on the Spurs and getting blocked by LeBron, right? Yeah. Um, and then LeBron's run for the next, starting at 9.39, where he makes the dunk um, on Chalmers' miss, which, according to basketball reference, uh, they give Chalmers an assist on that, even though that was very clearly an air ball. Yeah. Well, um, that, was, that was a lob. Come on, David. Everyone <laughs> knows that. <laughs> so here's the sequence. LeBron, put back dunk there. I'm, giving, I'm saying put back dunk. Yeah. Uh, next possession for the Heat. Chalmers misses the jumper. Or sorry, no, this must be where it is actually at 8:59 because this is miss, Chalmers missed jump shot. LeBron dunk with 8:59 left. Next possession, LeBron misses. Next possession, LeBron layup. Next possession is a, a great pass by LeBron from the elbow as Chris uh, Birdman is flashing under the rim. Birdman makes one of two free throws. Next possession, LeBron layup. Next possession, Ray Allen layup. Next possession, LeBron free throw, LeBron layup. Uh, so from nine minutes to 4.45 left, and that's when Wade reenters with uh, 3.48 left, mm-hmm. LeBron uh, scores or has that sort of assist to Birdman on all but two of the Heat's points um, to tie the game at one point. They get actually take the lead even. Uh, they lead by three when Wade comes back into the game. I mean, that is just iconic LeBron stuff. Like, behind, it's behind the, the binge at the end of the uh, Pistons game where he scores the last 25 or whatever that was. This is arguably, like, the second best stretch of his career because they're down 10 going into the quarter, and he puts them ahead with three minutes left pretty much single-handedly. Yeah, just the context of what that game meant, you know, like... And the fact that, that he was terrible in the first three quarters. Yeah, the fact that he was terrible... And the fact that if they lose that game and they lose that finals, um, I mean, this big three team considered a failure, even though they won a championship. Like, yeah. how do you win one title in three years with that roster? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it 
he he saved the era in that game six against Boston in game in in two thousand what two thousand eleven, and then or two thousand twelve actually, and then in two thousand may I have my years wrong, but you know you know what I mean. Game six against, yeah. against Boston, he saved he kind of saved the big three from being broken up, and then he saved them again in this game just with his performance in the fourth quarter and overtime. Um, yeah, I mean he he knew what it meant and. You could see, and you could honestly, you could see how much better he was. And it kind of shows you like that Dwayne LeBron tandem. It was fun to watch, and they made it work. But they weren't like suited to play with each other. Like you could see how much better LeBron looked when when Dwayne wasn't on the court, which I thought was very interesting. Um, and in that fourth quarter, that's what it took. Like we said, like Dwayne wasn't on the court, LeBron kind of took over. It gave him space to operate, and he he went to work. Other observations I had from that stretch, kind of specifically, how far they play off LeBron. Yeah, uh, him and Dwayne both. Him and Dwayne both. They didn't want to shoot it. It's like you're like I mean, Dwayne. You could always, even to the end of Dwayne's career, you can play off him a little bit, but now you can't play off LeBron. Even then, though, I, I mean, I think LeBron shot pretty well from three that year, yeah, but it was like they, they were like afraid to shoot the jumper. It was strange. It was like they were like weirded out that the Spurs giving them so much space that it kind of they weren't like in rhythm jumpers. It was like weird for them. That yeah. they didn't want to take it. It was it was really something. Like it was almost like it was messing with their heads. Um but yeah, you, you it was like out the whole game I was like begging LeBron to shoot the three. <laughs> yeah. They were like um, playing six feet off him and he wouldn't do it. This is also peak LeBron's spin move. He does like eight spin moves during this stretch. Yeah. And every time it almost always works. Yeah. And you see, I mean, the difference, like when Tim Duncan was in the game, compared to a Splitter, I mean, they they would just go straight. Like LeBron would go straight to the rim whenever Tim Duncan was out of the game, and Splitter yeah. was there. Like it was, I think they made their run in the beginning of the fourth quarter when Splitter was in there as the rim protector, and you yeah. know it was totally different Spurs defense when when Thiago was in there. So um, yeah, I mean there was just so many nuanced things that you could when you rewatch this, like it's just you kind of notice so much stuff then when you're watching it live, kind of caught up in the drama. Um, and I, I kept saying layups for LeBron, but really a lot of those were like kind of post-up, like spin-move hook shots. Like it was definitely power forward LeBron, um, kind of the precursor to what he became in Cleveland when they really played that like slow-it-down style to try to upset the Warriors um, when he was like just posting up a ton. And um, there, there was it was kind of the blend between – Small forward LeBron and, and the power forward LeBron that he would become. Um, so then the Heat take the lead. They're up by three when Wade checks back in. Um, Ginobili makes the layup. Wade makes two free throws. Then Tony Parker is, like, incredible for the last minute and a half of this game. Hits a three to tie the game. Then Chalmers turns it over, and Parker hits uh, – a sort of floater, like gets in the post, gets Chalmers on his hip, throws up a like hook shot sort of. Um, I loved Tony Parker at this time, and this is pretty much why, because like he's kind of the guy I could sort of emulate when I played pickup, because he is just like so crafty um, and so fun to watch. Obviously, he was tormenting the Heat, but he was he was a monster in that last minute and a half, and was very close to being the hero. Oh yeah, he was. I mean, he was a Ray Allen three away from being from yeah. being the hero. Like that it's just you know, like I know he based a lot off that one shot, but it it really is when you think about it, it's so crazy 
how much we based off that one shot. I know. <laughs> I mean, if that shot doesn't go in, like we said, that that error is considered a, a, basically a failure. But just because that shot went in, now all of a sudden we go, oh, no, it was a success. And really, in reality, I mean, it shouldn't be based off one shot, but it really is. Like, it's, it's just sports is like that where it just kind of reminds you that it's so fickle. Like, one play, one shot, one pass, one missed tackle could really define an era. And that's yeah. kind of what happened during that game. Yeah, I didn't mention it when I was recapping all the games, but this was uh, this was the Danny Green series also. Like, for a while, it looked like he was going to be finals MVP, and he is pretty much invisible for a lot of this game. Um, I think he has yeah. six threes in game uh, five um, to put the Spurs up 3-2. Um, and I, I wrote down a, a Ray Allen quote from the post-game interview that I was going to say for the end, but kind of based off what you were saying. It says, the ball bounces in weird ways at the end of the games. And we got a good bounce. Like that kind of sums it up. That this, it's why it's one of the best games ever. Um, and then, so for the next little stretch, LeBron. This is the LeBron choke. He had been yeah. incredible for most of the fourth quarter. Turns it over. Kawhi steals it. Ginobili hits two free throws. Next possession, LeBron turnover. Ginobili steals it. Ginobili makes just one of two. He makes both. Mm. The Spurs go up six. Instead, they lead 94-89 with 28 seconds left. And then I think a play that should be remembered more that gets overshadowed because of the Ray Allen shot is this next sequence. LeBron misses a, a wide-open three. They draw up a great play, right? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hits it was the top of the key. Yeah. Gets yeah. a wide-open three. Pretty much an air ball. I don't know if it hit the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, hits the I think it hit the rim. I think, I think it hit the rim when he got the offensive rebound, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wade jumps up, kind of knocks it away from Kawhi. Ray Allen jumps up, kind of knocks it up in the air again. It goes to Mike Miller, who throws a great shovel pass to LeBron on the left wing, who hits a three, 94-92, 20.1 seconds left. Everyone thinks about the Chris Bosh rebound, but that one is just as big yeah, and just as great and crazier. I mean, the Bosh, when he just kind of manhands, uh, I don't even remember who he's going up against because Tim Duncan's not on the court, of course. Uh, but that one was talk about. That was crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Now that the rebound the, ends up being a Mike Miller rebound and assist is just hustle from three guys as LeBron gets in position to hit um, one of the biggest shots of his career. And then of course on the other end, Kawhi goes one for two. If he makes both, it's pretty. I, I feel like a lot of people say if Kawhi makes both, it's over. But there's still like 20 seconds left. Um, Obviously, it's a lot more to overcome when you're down four with 20 seconds left than when you're down three. Um, but so the Heat get the ball back with 20 seconds left, down three. LeBron misses another three. Chris Bosh gets the rebound. Ray Allen makes the three. 95-95 with 5.2 seconds left. Yeah. Yeah, that's that whole sequence was just – it was crazy. Like it, like you said, it's not just – the reality shot will get all the love, and it deserves it one of the best shots in NBA history, if not the best. Um, but there was so much that went on that set up that that shot. Like these like two the two missed free throws by the by the Spurs late late in the game yeah. in the final minute. Like without if one of those free throws is made, all of a sudden that shot doesn't tie the game. Um so so much had to happen to kinda create that moment. Um and you just remember that when you kinda watch the sequence again that you, you don't realize it obviously as leading up to it because you don't know what's going to happen. But when you rewatch it and you kind of see what led up to it, it's just kind of a reminder of just how much, how much, how long that minute was. That minute felt like it was like 30 minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, when they're down uh, five with 30 seconds left after Ginobili makes the free throw, it's, and then LeBron, of course, misses a three, and that split second, it's like, oh, this is over. Yeah. That's where they're going to win. And then that one rebound, LeBron three, and then Chris Bosch's rebound, Ray Allen three, and we're going to overtime. Um, uh, something I had written down here, uh, they show the bench and Tracy McGrady is sitting there. Totally forgot he was on this first team. Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, I didn't really, I forgot that Mike Budenholzer and Brett Brown were on the staff of Popovich at the time. Yeah, a lot of, they, you can see them, uh, a lot of Fizdale FaceTime on the heat yeah. bench. Like, it's, it's a, a pretty loaded, loaded cast of characters in this game. Yeah, for real. Like, not only the roster, the coaching staffs. I mean, they were yeah. Ron Rothstein. Right next to Spo. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it was it was like all star coaching staffs, all star teams. Like it was, it's not surprising looking back at it why that final series was so good. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Some other things that aged nicely to me: the all white crowd in Miami. Great bit they had right. going back then. Um, it's, it's still. I mean, if they if they you know I don't know if they'll play the playoffs this year, but if they yeah, do. Yeah. Um, that, I'm sure that White Hot will come back because they've, they've done that now. Like I don't know how many playoff appearances straight, but that's kind of their thing in the playoffs. Even early on, they wrote. I don't know if you remember, David, but early on when I was a kid, they went. They did the red zone, yeah, the blackout. With the blackout was kind of fun, but the White Hot kind of stuck. And yeah, it's it's a fun environment. Like the arena gets loud. I know my, people say stuff about South Florida fans and all that, but there were moments in that game where you're like, I, that is a loud environment, fun environment, and the white hot looks good on TV. Um, that, the AAA can, can, can kind of get allowed. Uh, you, you you noticed it, right? Or am I, am I being biased? Yeah, yeah no, definitely. I mean, people talk about the Heat fans leaving early, um, but it doesn't look very uh, – there's a lot of people in the stands yeah. when uh, Ray Allen shot goes in, and it's really loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I, I appreciate you defending us here. I'm yeah. glad I'm not the only one. Uh, also, Tony Parker gets, like, sort of a decent look. Like, it's a really tough shot. It would be the greatest shot in NBA history if it goes right. down. But he gets space to hit, like, to, for a tough fadeaway um, on the baseline. Um, I think he kind of, like, trips over himself and, and short arms it, though. Um, I mean, he was, he made, he was making – he made a bunch of those shots earlier in the game. So, yeah. yeah like, that's a Tony Parker shot. Yeah, like, that's, that's a shot of it, right. for him to take that shot. Right. Um, should we talk about Tim Duncan not being on the court? Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, and it's not just like he was on the bench and they like forgot to put him back yeah, in. They, they shoved him out up. on the Kawhi yeah. free throws. Yeah, I, I didn't get that. I still, I, I'm sure they explained it after. I just I don't remember what the explanation was, but I don't even know if I need that explanation. Like he was obviously best rim protector. He played great defense all game, um, and he's your best rebounder most probably, or one of your best rebounders for sure. And then you give up that huge offensive rebound to the to the Heat that Bosch gets that leads to the Ray Allen three. Um, that was just a gigantic mistake. And you know Greg Popovich is one of the best coaches of all time, but he will probably admit to that was a big mistake. I just did not get that at all. Yeah, I mean I guess you talked about earlier how good DL was on LeBron early in the game. He's the one who comes in for Duncan. Um, I don't know. That's the only explanation I can think of. Is you know, get get a little bit more mobile. You know, they're going to take a three. You want mobile guys on the court, but um, I don't know. You, you need to rebound. 20 the se- it's, it's not even like there's no time left. There's 20 seconds left. Like, the Heat easily could yeah. have gone for two, like, tried to make a layup quickly. Like, it would have helped to have Tim yeah. Duncan on the court, obviously. 
Yeah, it was that was a very very weird decision. I just I just don't I don't think I'll ever understand. Yeah. All right, overtime. Um, did you remember any of this overtime? No, I did not. Yeah, I don't remember any of it. I wasn't um, even sure if the, I at first I was like, did he win on that Ray Allen show? Like, did they even need overtime? Like, to me that was the end of the game. Like, I don't remember at all that overtime. Like, that was watching that overtime again. It was like the first time I've ever watched it. Yeah, <laughs> totally in the same boat. I forgot they were down. Like, I just assumed because I didn't remember the overtime. I assumed they kind of like just led the whole way. But no, they were down. Yeah. Uh, One hundred ninety-seven. Tony Parker makes a free throw with two forty-two left. Um, so they need to come back there. Um, a great play in that sequence. Uh, before that, though, LeBron throws an incredible. Uh, yeah. Like, pass no and one. Yeah. 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 That was. Uh, he misses the free throw. Ties the game. He misses the free throw. Then Kawhi hits a jumper. Tony Parker makes a free throw. Heat down one hundred ninety-seven with two forty-two left. Ray Allen hits a jumper. By the way, that is aged nicely. Like, people just remember Ray Allen as the shooter, but I loved young Ray Allen, like, when he was a guy who did everything in Milwaukee and Seattle. And, yeah, yeah he shows he can still do it, hitting, like, a little pull-up jumper. Um, and then LeBron puts the heat ahead on that drive by Dwayne Wade we talked about earlier. It's kind of like the, really the only play Dwayne Wade is, like, a big part of in – the fourth quarter and overtime. He makes two free throws, and he is in, you know, he kind of triggers that rebound for the LeBron three um, by going up with Kawhi and knocking it away from him. Um, but this is his biggest play of the game, the assist to LeBron. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, he also played good defense as well, but yeah. offensively, like, you kind of forgot he was on the court for most of that stretch for the fourth quarter and overtime. Um, it was really LeBron... Uh, like we said, LeBron, Bosch. It was really LeBron. Like, that was everything, like LeBron. And even yeah. in the Ray Allen shot, like, it was a missed shot by LeBron that ended up as the rebound to go to Ray Allen. So, yeah, it was that was, like, the whole fourth quarter overtime was LeBron pretty much. And then Dwayne did a little bit, but they, he was – I don't want to say it was a non-factor, but he was as close to a non-factor as you could be for Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Yeah, the um, – it's the, a lot of people remember it as a Ray Allen game, but you could still say LeBron was, like – yeah. The guy. Like, he's the biggest star of the game because of his fourth quarter, because he hits the three. Because everything everything in the game kind of hinged around LeBron, not just what was happening on the court, but like we were talking about earlier, all the narratives the story was all yeah. LeBron. Yeah, everything definitely. You're probably going to get to this now, but that, that strip by Ray Allen, like, I forgot about that, but it was huge. Yeah. Um, I think the, spur, yeah, the Spurs had the ball with less than 10 seconds left in overtime. One, so they had a chance to win the game right there, and Ray Allen stripped Ginobili on a drive, um, and got the ball back, and that I mean that pretty much triggered triggered the the intentional yeah, foul and right the, the other yeah. end. That the, the, I mean we forget. I think I I forgot about that. I totally I, I didn't remember that happened, but that was a that was a really big play for Ray Allen to strip that ball from Ginobili. I mean if Ginobili gets through there or or Ray Allen fouls Ginobili on that. Um, Spurs might win that. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't just the three. Allen scored a couple, so what, four points in overtime, I think, mm-hmm. and he also had the strip. So, I mean, other than LeBron, I would say Ray Allen, was pro- Ray Allen and Chris Bosh were the two yeah, boys. Yeah, so I would say Ray Allen and LeBron are in some order, one and two, and then Chris Bosh is the obvious number yeah. three. Um, yeah. On the LeBron, on the Ray Allen strip, they, they kind of hype it up like it was a foul, yeah. like they missed the call. I didn't think it was a foul. Like, it definitely wasn't an obvious foul. I, I didn't think so either. And, and, 
I mean, I'm not one to say you don't call a foul late in the game. Like, if you should call it the same all game long, but in the finals and that in that situation, like to call that touch foul, if that I don't even think that was a foul, but if it was, it was very close. Yeah, I think it was a good no call. Honestly. I'm generally a, a big uh, Van Gundy fan. Um, yeah, I think he's the best guy we have in color probably in the NBA. Um, this was like the peak of him at his worst. Uh, <laughs> Do not being a basketball analyst, but being a referee analyst, because every stoppage, oh, okay. every replay, yeah, he right. talk about the play. He talks about the. It's not just this one. It's early in the game. It's like the yeah. first. It stood out to me right away. The first time there's a replay, it's Jeff Van Gundy talking about uh, the call, yeah. like explaining, was, explaining what a charge is, explaining what a block is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. He did. He got better with time. that, but I feel like around this time he was really bad. He still does it, but um, he was really bad in this game. We yeah. do that part of it. I, I know. I noticed that too. I didn't make a note of it, but I just remember thinking, like, really, you're gonna keep doing? It? Like, he did it after almost every foul call. It was like yeah. an analysis of the call. Yeah, yeah, that's not what not what people wanted, <laughs> and I remember people being like livid about it. Yeah, yeah, and I can imagine. I, 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 for, I there's so many things I forgot. I mean, so much stuff has happened in the past seven years. So much stuff has happened in the past week. <laughs> but, but but yeah, you just forget about just that so much stuff in that game. It was so layered, so many details. It was fun to rewatch a game like that. I mean, yeah. it's not I just any game, obviously. Like it was the league is so game. different. Like this is the biggest change. I, I have to imagine this is one of the biggest changes we've seen in the league in like a seven year stretch. Like it's yeah. just a totally different sport. I mean. Yeah, and, and obviously the Warriors had a big part in that, but I also think the Heat played a role in that. Right, like I was saying, I think the Heat and the Spurs kind of set the tone yeah. of what the league was going to be with the Heat, the Spurs ball movement, and the Heat spacing. Um, and, the, and the Heat playing small, like very small yeah. at times. And the switching defense. Yeah, yeah. Positionless, quote-unquote, right. And then the Warriors just took it to like 10 levels above that. <laughs> yeah. the, the Spurs take 18 threes, the Heat take 19. Like, yeah. That's like a quarter. Duncan Robinson takes that in the game. Yes. <laughs> the Heat, 11 of 19 from three. Like, it, it's kind of fitting that the plays people remember are the threes because that was kind of what won them the game. For sure. That the other thing, threes and defense. Yeah, I was going to say, the other thing that won them the game is Chris Bosh in overtime. Oh, yeah. He was, I mean, people remember that block, obviously. It's um, kind of, just, it was kind of weird because, you know, it's, Sort of the precursor to the Steph Kevin Love play, right? Yeah, that's Tony true. Parker gets isolated yeah. on gets uh, Chris Bosh isolated on him. Mm-hmm. Um, where is this? With like thirty seconds left, um, I guess he Parker takes a two rather than a three, like a long two. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gets like the step back space, and Chris Bosh oh, keeps gosh. up with him, blocks it. Um, LeBron gets the rebound. And Wade actually misses a shot on the other end to keep the, the Spurs alive. But that block is the block on Tony Parker. I mean, I guess you're probably talking about the block on Danny Green, yeah, but the block on yeah, Tony Parker is like that's a huge play. Might have been, been yeah, might have been even more impressive because he came against Tony Parker and he was guarding, him. you know, he was guarding a guard and was able to keep up with him. Um, yeah, they were just yeah. Chris Bosh Chris Bosh doesn't get enough credit for his defense. And everyone in mean, Spo used to say it all the time. He was the most important player to the roster, and they believed he was the best pick and roll defender in the NBA at the time. And you kind of saw it in that game. Like he, like I said, him and LeBron would blow up every Spurs pick and roll late in that game. Like they just, the Spurs could not get anything out of that Tim Duncan, Tony Parker pick and roll. 
And a lot of it had to do with Chris Bosh. Yeah, he is the guy that, like I said, I was you know kind of typical NBA fan. Not didn't love what the Heat were doing, but Chris Bosh is my guy. I loved Chris Bosh. He was kind of the punching bag, obviously, in like the national media on like Stephen A. Smith and first take and all that. Like the guy who was kind of the also ran uh, with LeBron and Wade, um, but he was kind of always my favorite guy of those three because one, I felt you know I felt like he got too much crap, but then also. I just loved the defense. I loved how good he was at defense. Yeah. I loved – he was the – and he was kind of the anchor for everything. He let them play small without really playing small, and that obviously he is – you know, we, we've talked so much about – or not necessarily us, about what a shame that, like, Chris Bosh's career had to end before the league kind of caught up to him. Like, he was the trendsetter that everyone – started looking for big men who could do exactly what Chris Bosh did, um, and we never got to see it, and that is sad. It was a yeah. sad thing. Watching this game was like, oh, man. Like, he would, he would have been so good for so long, and we just didn't get to see it. He probably still would have been playing. He would have His game would have aged so well. And this was even, like, I think he had already started shooting threes at this point, but he, t- he didn't take any in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the way his game evolved, where he was shooting, like, three or four threes a game sometimes, and he was making them at a pretty good clip. Um, he was just a really skilled big man. He was he was kind of the first of it of of his kind. Like yeah. that became a thing, late, you know, a few years later. But the Chris Bosh prototype, like he was he was kind of the first of doing, he was the first unicorn, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty much. You know, the way he could defend on the perimeter and switch onto almost any any position, um, the way he could shoot. You know, the, he just he he was he was unique and he fit really well. Uh, with LeBron and Dwayne, um, he probably he. I mean, he was a better fit for that trio than Dwayne was for LeBron. Honestly, yeah. Um, yeah. he just fit really well with them. Yeah, and in the last five minutes and ten seconds, it like shows every reason why. Yeah, he was so great. The plays, the defensive plays in overtime, uh, getting out in transition for that layup, and of course the rebound, which reminds you that like that's why that's why super small ball doesn't work because it. it you know, it doesn't work as well as having a guy like Chris Bosh who can play center, be almost seven feet tall, and still play like a, a small guy. He does everything but – pretty much everything but make a three. Like, that's – it's the consummate Chris Bosh in the last five, ten – five minutes and ten seconds of the game, and that is definitely one of the biggest things that stands out from this game is it's a reminder of how important he was to those big three teams. Um, I, you know, he's obviously a guy who I think has gotten appreciated more – since those teams broke up, um, partially because he just seems like a great guy, partially because he's like great personality, um, and partially because of how the where the league has gone. Um, but in the moment, like it was impossible to criticize Chris Bosh for what he was doing because of how good he was in this game. Definitely, definitely. And and one uh, one thing I wanted to bring up too before we close this out because I know we're running. Yeah, we're running long. long it's fine. But, there's yeah. no one else has anything else to do. Right. Everyone has time to, to listen to the podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the only things to do. But um, that that why would why was Tony Parker out on that final possession? But that was another curious. I know he wasn't like he he had kind of gotten cold, and LeBron was shutting Tony Parker down at that point. But that final possession of overtime, where Chris Bosh blocks Danny Green's three with whatever they had, I guess there was like 1.9 seconds. Really incredible pass by Tim Duncan. Really yeah. good pass over, yeah, over, cross court from inbounds. But why? Tony Parker was on the bench, like he wasn't even in the game. 
I, I guess I, it was just like the play. Like that's the personnel for that play. I guess the only reason I can think of. Like they have that play that's their like two second. We need a three play. Yeah. Um, I just don't. I don't. I, I didn't get the Tim Duncan move at the end of regulation, and I didn't even get taking Tony. I know Tony Parker's not the best three point shooter on the team, but he's. So who's on the court? It's it's Duncan throws the inbound. Splitter is there to set the screen. Uh, Danny Green mm-hmm. obviously shoots the three. Kawhi, and Gary yeah. Neal and Manu, or Gary oh, Neal and Kawhi. Was Kawhi not in there? Kawhi wasn't in there. I uh, no, Gary Neal checks in for Kawhi. Yeah, was it uh, another shooter? I guess because Gary yeah, Neal was a three point shooter. Yeah, I guess, but just yeah, I, I don't know. I, I it was a very weird move to me. He was Tony Parker was. You know, either the best or second best scorer pretty much the entire game, even though he didn't play particularly great in the game. He still was very, you know, they're one of the best offensive players. To have him out in that final possession, I just didn't get that. But hey, it worked out for the Heat, I guess. Yeah. Um, do you want to say anything about game seven? Do you have any particular memories of that game? It's kind of a slugfest. Yeah, well, I mean, 88. I, it was, I, I don't, I have to rewatch that game actually to kind of remember what happened, but from what I remember just off the top of my head, like, I just remember going into that game, you kind of knew the Heat were going to win. Like, after what happened in game six, yeah. it was just like, an, like, I just assumed, like, it was, I wasn't even thinking about it, like, the Heat are going to win this game. They would not, after winning game six, like, that was pretty much the series, but it was close, like you said, like, the Spurs did not make it easy. It took, I think, a couple of big LeBron jump shots um, and that, like, late in the fourth quarter to kind of put the Spurs away. Um, so it was not an easy win by any means, but I just remember going into it being like, okay, the Heat are going to win this. Like, there's no way they do that in Game Six and then lose in Game Seven. Yeah, big big game from Shane Batty. He has 18 off the bench. Chris Bosh zero points in Game Seven, and he got a lot of crap for that. Um, LeBron goes for 37. Um, before we finish up, uh, I don't know if you have the box score in front of you, but if you don't, if you do, close it. Who do you think had the best plus minus for the Heat in Game Six? Um, shoot. I'm going to say Birdman. Uh, no. Mike Miller, number one, plus 13. Really? Mario Chalmers, number two, plus 13. Wow. Birdman is plus four. Ray Allen, plus four. Um, the big three, LeBron, minus one. Chris Bosh, minus three. Dwayne Wade, minus 15. Wow. I, I would love, I would love to. The players were huge. Yeah, they were huge, and because they were, those are the guys who played well with LeBron that game. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, LeBron obviously in the fourth quarter his plus minus is great. I don't know yeah. exactly what it is, but considering they make up a ten point deficit and he's in the whole time, I, I guess it's plus ten. Yeah. Um, but the four, the first quarter and, and the third quarter, or the first half in the third quarter were pretty ugly. Whenever the big three was all out there together. Yeah, I, I would love to see how many minutes. I guess we just a way to check, but they LeBron and, and Dwayne didn't play much that game together much that game. I would say in the second half it's like eight minutes maybe. Eight minutes, yeah. I mean they played an entire overtime, so that kind of swings things. Oh, plus, true. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean it, they the last four minutes of regulation pretty much, and I yeah. guess they started the third quarter together too. So right, yeah. It was and and did LeBron ever like one other note I I wrote that I just I, we watched kind of a condensed version. You and I, I think it was like. Yeah, it cuts out like a couple, a little bit in yeah. the first, second, and third quarters. I don't think LeBron ever came out in the version we watched. I think he played the entire game. I know he didn't. I know he sat out like four minutes. He played. Yeah, and he played every important minute. He did not. Like, that was one thing that stood out. And I knew LeBron obviously is like a machine and he plays like 
he doesn't ever get tired. He never gets tired, especially at that point in his career. But he just to play 50 minutes in the yeah. finals on that stage on at that level of competition, that is impressive. I just yeah that that really stood out to me. I, I didn't I didn't remember him going to the bench. Like I just saw him on the court the entire game. I think he had some games later in Cleveland where he played literally every minute in the finals. It's ridiculous. He's he's ridiculous to me. That's like aside from everything else, his legacy is just how he was able to log so many minutes, stay pretty much healthy his entire career. Like he avoided every major injury, knock on wood, and he was still able to play at such a high level and not really like show signs of wear and tear. That's just. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. That's why he's going to be like the all-time leading scorer, why he's going to have all these records. His, yeah. his longevity is uh, probably the most impressive thing about yeah. his career. For sure. Uh, sure. And the fact that, you know, in the fourth quarter of game six, an elimination game, he turned it on. Um, it was – it's an iconic performance. It's an iconic game. Uh, do you think it's the best game in finals history? Or at least they've been um, on our lifetimes? I – off the top of my head, I would say yes, but there were some good um, there were some good games between the Cavs and the and the Warriors, especially yeah. the series that the Cavs beat the like that game seven in, in Golden. Yeah, that game seven is probably was, the other challenger. Um, that game is like really ugly though. It was ugly. This game is pretty well played. Like there's some yeah. layups, obviously, and um, you know Wade is is rough, but it's pretty well played. Like guys make big shots. Um, a lot of like diving on the floor, like it, it feels like you know that's an eliminate. It feels like a game seven, even though it's a game six. Yeah, you kind of get the sense the Spurs knew they had to win, or it was yeah. going to be yeah. trouble in game seven. Yeah, it seemed like both teams were playing like on the brink of elimination. Like, yeah, it felt like a game seven because the, the Heat were obviously on the brink of elimination, and then the Spurs knew like if they lose that game, it's pretty much over. So yeah, yeah, I I, agree. I think that was the best one, but that the only one that really sticks out, I might be missing one. Off the top of my head, that kind of comes close is like that. Like I said, the Game Seven uh, Warriors Cavs game where LeBron has the block on Iguodala, uh, and the Cavs win that game. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 those are the top two. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope it entertains you while you are uh, locked up at home. Um, let us know what you think. Maybe we'll try to do some more of these while we got no more basketball to talk about. If you got other games we want to talk, you want us to talk about. Uh, let us know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do game seven of this at some point because I don't remember very much from that game. Um, and it'll be a it'll be good to take a look. Um, do you have anything to plug, Anthony? He's on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, there's not a lot of basketball to write about. No, no I mean I guess a quick update on kind of where the NBA stands. Um, there really is not much of an update. <laughs> the update is there is no update. There is no update, and it just seems like this is going to go on until at least June, you would think. I know the CDC put out eight weeks that, you know, big groups shouldn't get together, and that pushed it to, like, mid-May. But I would think that June is more of a realistic start date, which if it starts in June, probably just going to be playoffs or maybe a couple regular season games and just playoffs. So I, I think the NBA remains hopeful that they'll restart the season. I think they're going to do everything They kind of – not lose the season, but there's a possibility if this doesn't get any better by the summer months, like the season could be completely lost. But I think for now, the NBA is holding out hope, so we'll see. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, again, not all sports. I'm writing about esports today, so that'll be up by the time you guys listen to this, probably. So, um, yeah, thanks as always for listening. Um, let us know what you think of this episode because we're experimenting these days and. 
Um, if you guys like it, maybe we'll try more of it. Um, so thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later.